0: Welcome to the Send and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Louis Nichols. In my day job at Sparkloop, I spend all my time helping the best newsletter operators and media brands in the world to grow their audiences. So I get to see firsthand what growth tactics, strategies and channels actually work, which ones you should copy and what mistakes you should avoid. And now with this podcast, you get that access too. Every week, I sit down with a different guest, from industry experts to successful operators, and we go deep on the stuff that you need to know, so you can become really effective at growing and monetizing your email audience. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Ryan Sager and Jesse Watkins. They're the co-founders of Who Sponsors Stuff, a database that tracks which brands and businesses are advertising in email newsletters and brings that data straight to you ryan and jesse have a wealth of combined knowledge and success working in the newsletter ad space and in this episode i'm going to pepper them with questions about how to prospect for sponsors how to price your newsletter ads and sponsorships what not to do when selling your ads and so much more i guess a a place that i'd like to start with is we've had you come and do a masterclass for us. We've talked before about newsletter sponsorships and things like that. There's a really interesting situation at the moment in the world with a potential recession, lots of layoffs happening, marketing budgets in some cases getting cut back. Looking ahead to 2023 for newsletters that rely on advertising and sponsorships as their main source of of revenue, how do you predict or what do you predict 2023 is going to look like from that point of view what do you think people need to be to be watching out for maybe Ryan you can start so people know who's who and then <laughs> Jesse can come in later
1: Sure great to be here Louis. so you know what we're seeing overall in the market because you know we have a pretty good 20,000 foot view of the market you know we track 280 or so newsletters in our database tracking all the direct sponsorships so you know, just raw numbers as far as like how many new sponsors are appearing every month in our tracking. Yeah. That's been very consistent in 2001, 2000, oh, 2021, 22, coming into 23, that's been about 50 a week. Yeah. I just pulled those numbers yesterday and yeah, it was by exactly 200. January's so really not a slowdown of people coming in. You'll see sector specific things, certainly that like, as with everything else, crypto has had, uh, you know, has tanked a bit. But really, overall, we're seeing a strong market.
0: Jesse, let's say we're sitting here again, we're having this conversation in, in 12 months from now, towards the, the end or the, you know, the beginning of 2024. How do you think the, the market for newsletter ads looks then compared to how it looks now?
2: Yeah, kind of like Ryan said, I think that spending has been consistent across the space. Looking forward, I think there's a lot of opportunities for newsletter sponsorships, especially as... Twitter becomes less a less reliable source for news and content, as well as for advertisers. As other advertising channels become less and less reliable, it's stronger positions for newsletters. So I think they'll be in the same spot, if not a little bit of a stronger position.
0: Interesting. Okay. And what do you think will, or if, if anything, do you think will change about how we do newsletter sponsorships in, in these 12 months? Because it does seem to be like a, a rapidly developing sort of little niche industry. I've seen anecdotally, a lot of people caring a lot more about performance and pay per conversion and pay per click. I've seen less brand sort of dollars being thrown at, at newsletters in the last couple of months. What do you think that looks like in, in 12 months, if you had to guess?
2: Yeah, I think it's important to to drive strong conversions for your sponsors that you're working with. It's interesting because of so many new publishers and creators enter the space, you'll see more and more marketplaces and third party solutions pop up. So it'll be interesting to see how they play out against like building your own first party sales org and advertiser stable.
0: Yeah, which, which does very much seem to be, like, the newsletters that seem to be making a lot of money from advertising and sponsorships, they do seem to have in, internal teams driving a lot of that revenue, right? It seems, at least to me at the moment, to be something that is is a requirement if you really want to to do well in terms of, of revenue.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've always viewed for, you know, owning your own sales, uh, you know, third-party is place, we've done third-party sales, but, like, if you... If you're building a really serious publishing business, like at the end of the day, you have to have, uh, if you're starting out in a solopreneur position, you have to do it yourself or hire somebody uh, part-time to help you, or you've got to, you know, build out an actual sales team. But yeah, for smaller players who, you know, sometimes are hobbyists or just in a, a different position, I mean, the, yeah, the two things to watch are really these, um, the marketplaces, the ESPs are trying, BI is obviously making a big push in this. And uh convert kit with their partner network. So yep. it'll be interesting to see. I've, I've got a BI newsletter myself that I run. I do a lot of direct sales, almost all direct sales on that, but I put myself on the test. I'm running a few things through their network, and it'll be interesting to see how those all.
0: So let's change text a little bit and let's talk about people who are in the very early days of starting their sort of newsletter sponsorships journey. Let's say we have someone who they They've been writing their newsletter for I don't know a couple of months. It's in a niche field, maybe it's a marketing newsletter for example. They send it weekly to marketing professionals. They've got maybe 2-3000 subscribers, decent open rates. They're not monetizing at the moment. And they think, well, I don't have a product to sell to people. I'd love to to make some money from this newsletter now that it's starting to actually cost me some some money to to run as well. Where would you start?
1: Yeah, I think the yeah, with at that level. And we get a lot of people, you know, coming to us with that, you know, certainly in a B2B or a niche space, like marketing, there are advertisers who will buy on newsletters that size. So, you know, in some ways you can start doing a mini version of what we do and who sponsors stuff, who are your five top competitors who have marketing newsletters that look something like yours. And who's running a sponsored link there? Who's running a, a logo sponsorship there? And then just reach out. I mean, it's yeah, you find their contact information. It's it's definitely some extra handwork, but like you can go and reach out. And then you know, pricing is its own thing. We've got a pricing calculator on our website that we send people to. You really need to think about like what's your open rate, what's your click through rate, like how many clicks can you generate from them, and then kind of ultimately price where your clicks are going to back out for them to, to a decent value. And if you're really early, you can do CPA stuff like cost per acquisition or cost per click. For that, you might you, know, you might look at a swap stack or somebody who's down a marketplace with those types of deals. Or post Apex, who's doing something like that oh. also.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. So when you're starting out at that point, obviously there become there comes a point where you have that very first sponsorship that you want to run or you, you want to try and acquire, but you won't have any sort of proof, you won't have any stats in terms of what you can drive, that kind of thing. How do you get around that sort of like chicken and egg problem
2: yeah flexibility and communication so you know sort of the way we did it going back a bit at ladders we never really ran like logo sponsorships so we didn't have a ton of data on how performance would be and we were just flexible on pricing packaging and just working with the advertiser in the scenario that you gave a marketing newsletter like that i think yeah it it would make sense to have that kind of conversation especially with another marketing professional
0: Great. So if I'm reaching out to one of these sponsors, I've identified someone, you know, maybe I've used two sponsor stuff or, or whatever to, to figure out a, a brand that is sponsoring a newsletter that's similar to mine. And I, I reach out and I say, look, well, firstly, what, what do I say? And secondly, what am I asking them for? I guess.
2: Yeah. Introducing yourself, introducing your brand and just asking if they'd like to, to hear more. Uh, with outreach, I'm a big believer that less is more like short, simple, to the point, And your your goal of like your outreach email is just to jump on a call, hear what their marketing needs are, hear how their funnel's set up, and then see if it's a fit for
0: for your audience. Really, who am I reaching out to at a brand? Because if it's another newsletter sponsoring the newsletter, it's always pretty easy to find to find the right person, which is more sort of the the domain that we play in at SparkLoop. But if it's a brand, there's probably like five hundred people at the company who might be the right person, and they all have titles that sound. Plausible, but also not quite right. How, how do I how do I figure that out?
2: So prospecting, in my experience, it, it's a little bit of like detective work and digging through. You really want to find somebody. A lot of times at brands, it's going to be in the newsletter space. Growth titles seem to be fairly common. So like a growth manager, growth marketing. I know you want to avoid typically, especially on larger brands, any email marketing managers. Those are internal emails or like a company email you're always pretty much good shooting for a marketing manager a vp of marketing or somebody with a, a growth marketing title
0: and what am i then pitching them on so obviously when i when i if i get them onto a call or if we get into a discussion are we talking like a one-off test am i trying to book them into a package obviously we've talked about how you would calculate that that pricing if you have a really good pricing calculator on the site that we'll, we'll drop a link to in the show notes so that people can go and check that out because that's, that's super useful To get just a ballpark idea of kind of what you would be expecting yeah what am i pitching them on packaging wise
2: really bundling test bundles like in this scenario it's somebody new new inventory new sponsor you just really want to run in a one-off is sort of useless it's not a great test of the audience it's not a great test of the product something I, i like running tests of three or four whatever that is if this is a weekly so three or four weeks and just testing a b testing copy maybe or trying to see what sticks and what resonates best with the
0: audience. So let's try and if we can, let's try and be a little bit more concrete. Let's take an example. So I I think that that helps people to sort of, uh, (laughs) to to visualize it. So I think that a newsletter, we all know, let's take uh, who sponsors stuff. You have a, a weekly, a weekly newsletter. Is it weekly? Yeah. Yeah. Weekly. So you have your newsletter there. Let's say that something terrible happens and people don't need to sponsor stuff, they don't need sales pro, they don't, don't need any of this stuff anymore. So you're left with just the newsletter. And for some weird reason, the only way that you can monetize it is through sponsorships and advertising. What are you doing tomorrow to make that happen?
1: So I mean, we run, we run our weekly email intelligence newsletter that goes out to about 3,000 know, people in the newsletter, uh, publishing and marketing space. And so yeah, well, we currently don't monetize that through logo sponsorships, but we do classified ads, which is, you know, another thing people don't like So yeah, I mean, concretely looking at that, we would want to look at ads, you know, what's your open rate and how many clicks can that spot generate? And then since we're B2B and the people that we want to reach our audience are like vendors who might be selling software or some kind of service to other companies, you know, that's a place where like our calculator is going to say, you can go up to like, you know, 6 $8 a click. So I'd run a test on something, get that test. However, get a sparkling partner network thing that's relevant or whatever to put in that spot, if you couldn't sell the first one, you know, straight off, I just run something to get a test, to get a baseline, a click number to take out to other people. So then you do that and say, okay, we're generating, you know, 200 clicks. These are valuable B2B people. So then, you know, do that 200 clicks times the cost per click. That you're trying to go for and then come up with a, you know, a rate card uh, bring that rate card out to people and then you know do a discount off that rate card to get a a test bundle of as Jesse was saying like three runs in so you know pretend that's like what I said, six on two like 1200 a run do three of them for like 2500
0: and how are you finding the people in that case to to, to pitch this to? Like, what was the actual steps? you going, okay, first, I'm going to pitch my existing audience. Second, I'm going to go and look on, well, we've just said that who sponsors stuff and stuff doesn't exist anymore, but let's pretend it does exist, but you don't own it. You know, are you hitting LinkedIn? I don't know. Do you have an old book somewhere with all of your contacts in it? What are you doing? Like a Rolodex kind of thing? How does that work?
1: Yeah, I mean, One of the first things, especially with, you know, smaller and B2B publishers, we always recommend is like your advertiser is probably in your audience. So, you know, one of your first ones is probably in your audience. So definitely call out like, you know, if you want to advertise space, get in touch, that's that's likely to shake some stuff out. I, you know, past that, you, know, you probably already are subscribed to the top five, ten newsletters in your niche. So, you know, just keep a running list of everyone who's appearing there and then reach out to those companies. And another, another little prospecting trick, uh, this is one Jesse and you know, I used a lot back at Ladders, which is a job search company where we, where we, as the newsletter about the career space, uh, is we just, you know, we followed everything on Instagram that was sort of in the space and saw what Instagram ads, we started getting bad. So that's just another little prospecting trick, Because you always want to kind of hone your social media feeds to like be relevant to your space and then. See who's spending on those social tests. That's another place you can go fishing.
2: Yeah, to piggyback on that, hacking the social feed was actually really useful for us at, back when we were at Ladders. Newsletter advertising was just starting to blow up then. So somebody that was spending heavily on like a retargeting campaign on Instagram Was like the perfect fit for a newsletter advertiser so that that's also a great way to to
0: prospect and then when it comes to where you're placing those those ads or those sponsorships in the newsletter we've talked about classifieds we've talked about sort of logo sponsorships there's also obviously other kinds of things you can do you can do one-off you know blasts for example you can do some sort of advertorial takeover i'm sure there's loads of other stuff that i don't know about how are you deciding what you're doing in terms of, like, where you're placing ads and what you should be pitching people on?
2: I think logo sponsorship, especially here, if you're starting out, you know, back to, like, the the less is more, I think you really have to conquer the basics and do the simple things right. So I think it's always best to start with a logo sponsorship and run it well and make sure you're converting, make sure your inventory is full. Then once you need more inventory for more revenue, then start thinking of additional revenue driving products. But first and foremost is getting that logo sponsorship up and running.
1: So yeah, to we'll piggyback on that, I mean we definitely go into publishers times and they they aren't filling their logo spot, but they've got a menu. Oh, we've got a logo sponsorship, we've got a secondary, we've got a tertiary, and you know maybe oh maybe we can get someone to bite on the really cheap one first. Like that is a terrible way to undercut yourself because the first person is interested. In okay, I'll, I'll test the, the $50 product first. So that's really going to shoot yourself in the foot with that. So like, get the logo sponsorship, get that filled. And then it's great when you can be like, well, you know, February and March are booked up, but like we can talk about April. That's That really gets that FOMO, you know, conversation going. And that's, that's a great way to
0: do it. I-, I love that. One thing I've heard of more recently is this idea of sort of running... I guess, running social ads based on your own audience for another brand. Is that something you've come across much? Is that something that only the sort of the big boys are really playing at, Or is that something that smaller newsletters should be be aware of too?
1: It's definitely something the big players are doing. I mean, that that is a big part of their business. I'm not sure kind of how far down the size scale I've seen it, but it's, yeah, it is definitely a great way to add on services and value add after you've, you know, made that first sale of the main sponsorship
0: yeah perfect so let's say you've been really successful we've we found the the advertiser the, the brand they've agreed to do a logo sponsorship they've agreed to pay what we want for a run of three we've run the three let's talk about if it goes well first so we, we think it's gone well how do we go back to them and get them to do it again pay more next time what does that look like what should we be sharing with them in terms of like data
1: yeah so
2: really you want to find out how it converted on their end Data that you're going to want to send over are your audience sends, like how many you sent it to, what the opens were, the open rate, and then the traffic that you drove over to them and maybe like a CTOR, your click to open rate on the ad slot. And then sort of figuring out how they converted against the traffic you gave them. My goal is there is to find, right, just so when we're talking about scaling the sponsorship program, is to first make sure I have consistent logo sponsor. So I want this sponsor to be able to run consistently at like a certain frequency mix. So if the sponsor is like running once a week or once every other week, I want to get them to, to that phase. So yeah, you just want to make sure that that audience converted well against the traffic that you sent and that you hit their their KPI goals or their their acquisition
0: goals. Got it. And I'm guessing you're asking for those those goals up front rather than then afterwards, right? Ideally, you'd know that beforehand.
2: Correct. Yeah. And you'd, yeah. you'd want to have an idea of how, what their, what their expectation is. A lot of it is managing expectations on, on this part of it.
0: Awesome. So are you seeing this as something where you do like a test run of a couple and then try and lock them in for I don't know, like, like a package for a couple of weeks or on a regular cadence? So it's not every week, but once a month something like that
2: yeah so i mean in this case you're you're really new this is a weekly newsletter in this scenario so you probably would want to sell maybe monthly to start because you're going to want to test a bunch of other sponsors and you only have one inventory slot a week if you're going to scale it but if you're a larger newsletter i think quarterly deals
0: are are fine well let's talk about what happens if it didn't go so well what do you do then
1: yeah i mean then it's Really important to have, sorry. I mean, then it's just that's what it's really important to have flexibility to be able to do, you know, depending on what your hopes are for the future and how salvageable it is, you know, to be able to do make good send and, you know, test out some other messaging or at least make them feel that they didn't get, you know, completely ribbed off. Maybe you know, make good secondary or tertiary send or two. Look, if it's just a sponsor that's the product doesn't fit with the audience, it's just not going to go anywhere. Then you, know, you just try and get to where you know there's not too hard feelings and and you know let that one go and test another category, test another product
0: got it, okay, okay, so are you seeing that it's common, especially for an initial send, or maybe if the the pricing is slightly higher, but there's a little bit of risk in there. Are you seeing newsletters offering like guarantees around clicks or opens or anything like that where they they're forced to do make goods, or is it more just sort of a well you know technically we don't have to do anything here it's performed terribly but we want to help
2: the more the latter in especially in my experience just that freedom to give them i should also add is like a way to avoid like bad experiences or burning an advertiser is again that initial like managing expectations up front being transparent honest about your data not inflating numbers and, and so on
0: yeah no that, that that makes a lot of sense so let's let's skip slightly ahead let's talk about slightly bigger newsletters now because obviously with SalesPro, you work with a lot of major newsletters out there that are you know monetizing via ads and sponsorships without naming any names cause, <laughs> because I've just said you, you work with a lot of them. What's something that you think that sort of let's say sales teams or, or you know brand development partnerships? people newsletters, whatever you want to call them, what's something that you think that they're doing wrong or a mistake you see them making?
1: Sure. I mean, I, I think what's always important, and kind I of go from best practices is yeah, the teams that we see doing the best. I mean, we have a certain you know, sense of who's in the platform and using it every day from user activity. I mean, the ones who are out there crushing it are the ones we see back in the platform day after day after day. And that really tells us, you know, so we have the basic information of who's sponsoring what newsletters, we have the contact information for, you know, who you want to reach out to at the brand. And then we have extensive creative archives of all the creative ads themselves that ran. So the people who are back every day are clearly looking through those creative archives and really honing their pitches. They're seeing, okay, this sponsor is doing this campaign to this audience. And like, they're, they're obviously really doing a tailored pitch. As opposed to you know what's called spray and pray of like just kind of sending everybody in the database kind of a really generic pitch and hoping for something good to come back. And look, there's enough out there you'll you'll get something back with the spray and pray, but you know you really want to be doing some like tailored stuff. And like another another little trick we added in our little feature I'll plug we added into our downloads where there's a field for like what's the last newsletter they appeared on. Can do like a targeted automated campaign where you say, you know, Hey I saw your recent ad in the elevator and that, you know, that shows you, that shows them like, you know, where they're running, you know, what they're up to. Do. Like they, they do need to feel they're not just getting spammed with something that's relevant. You know, it's trying to be relevant to everyone, as opposed to like, you're a travel brand, I have a travel audience. This is why I'm in your inbox.
0: Anything else Jesse, maybe on just sort of things we can also turn the question on its head and say, what's something you've seen one newsletter do particularly well when it comes to to running sponsorships or acquiring brand partners that others maybe haven't followed on and, and done yet?
2: Yeah, I think the teams that, that work well on brand partnerships are always prospecting. So that could be, yeah, some of the teams that we see perform really well are in who sponsor stuff a lot and probably very heavily in the creative archive understanding the strategy like marketing strategy of a brand but also the brands that are prospecting outside of that prospecting is a never-ending job so you know like ryan said the social feed or the grocery store or you know walking around the city what's on the the taxi cabs or billboards are just always prospecting and
1: thinking of angles
0: yeah it's it's an interesting one because i always think about this in terms of like maybe like a like a general sort of you know, like a morning brew style newsletter or like a B2B kind of niche newsletter. But I never think about like the, if you have like a local newsletter, for example, I'm guessing a lot of the avenues open to you for sponsorships are going to be, or like good sponsorships are going to be quite different. You probably have to do a lot more on like the the local level. I'm I'm guessing. Have you seen any, any tips that, that work well there?
1: Yeah. I mean in the local, in the local markets, I do think you get to where a lot of your advertisers are in the audience. And so then that gets to the question of like, are you talking about somebody who has like a, a newsletter that's just in a local market? Or are you talking about like a like a 6am sending who's a client of ours of on salespro like, you know, a network of those, now, I think when it comes to those, they do a lot of their business now. I mean, they're obviously not the only one model, but they do a lot of their business on a national level. Local is really tough. There's, there's a reason local news and local media has been so tough for so long is that like you know it, it's hard to have a sales team in every location you know, in every market that you're in if you're one of these networks if it's your only market you know you can go out there and prospect aggressively but like you know how much are you really going to get out of you know joe's diner down on the corner or the local car dealership you probably doesn't you know, get newsletter advertising at all versus like the networks that can really play with the scale that they have and can run
0: yeah, awesome. Let's end on something slightly more <laughs> more positive than <laughs> the death of, of, of local media. Let, let's talk about predictions for, for the year ahead. So one, what we've already talked about, you know, how the, the market in general is, is going to do. What I want to talk about a little bit is the other side of things. So newsletters embracing advertising or not, because I've seen sort of two trends really at SparkLoop that seem to be happening at the same time. One of them is a lot more newsletters that a year ago, two years ago would never have considered running ads or sponsorships are now super happy to to do that and asking where can I where can I find sponsors for my newsletter? And then the second thing is a lot of newsletters that are running sponsorships or have been are going, hang on, why am I just getting paid, you know, whatever it is, whatever it works out to a couple of cents per subscriber to run an ad for someone else when I could be selling my own products, running events, doing affiliate stuff, courses, services hundreds of other monetization channels right so they seem to be expanding into those how do you think advertising is going to fit in from a newsletter's perspective over the next year or so do you think we'll see more is that trend going to continue is it a bubble what do you think
1: i think we'll see more and more i mean it is getting easier to find advertisers i mean you know obviously there's tools like us there's the networks that are coming online people who don't kind of have the bandwidth to do their own sales We talk to founders and newsletter operators who are worried about advertising. They think it like detracts from the product, or they have a premium tier and like the promise on the premium tier is won't see ads. But I just you know I just don't think that is how the consumer sees these sorts of ads. There's a reason you don't want Netflix with ads because it actually interrupts your show and interrupts you know usually with something not that relevant. Newsletter advertising you know is not you know this isn't time limited, so you can just skip it if you don't care about it. And usually we find it to be additive, especially in the B 2 B space. It's like, here's products that might help you run your business better. And for you know, newsletters to understand their audiences and understand what kinds of sponsors to work with, again, you're hearing about a cool product and it's not taking up any of your time, you read it or you don't. So and that's a long-winded way, way of saying, I think, you know, advertising will keep growing and I think diversification. Everybody in media gets it, I think at this point, or is starting to get it that if you're an ad-only model, you should be adding something else. You should be adding events or a membership tier or something. Everybody should be diversifying because any one channel could could go south for a couple quarters or for a year. So you got to have that diversification.
0: Yeah, totally. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, let's finish with, with one question I always like to ask, which is obviously... You spend a ridiculous amount of time looking at who's sponsoring different newsletters, what newsletters are doing in terms of improving their sponsorships and getting more sponsorships. You spend more time on that than probably almost anybody else out there. And you have a lot of data about that. What's one question that I should have asked you today that I didn't?
1: Yeah, I guess one thing we didn't touch on is like sort of creative best practices. What should a newsletter looking to make their ad the most successful they can do for their client? So there it is. So <laughs> the you know, two things I'd say on that. Uh, one is to be careful on tracking and be uh, to encourage the sponsor to be careful on tracking Apple privacy and all kinds of things break a lot of UTM tracking, a lot of stacks that we use in our ESPs so if they can create a dedicated landing page or anything or a code or anything that helps them track conversions that's always helpful. And then you know think about the voice of the ad, the most successful show and again morning brew was really a big pioneer in this are really you know getting under the hood in terms of like the copy and the creative with those brands so you know you can add a lot of value and improve conversions by making sure the brand you know the brand ad matches the voice of what you're doing
2: yeah, because if you're not really focusing on the the creative and running really good ads, your user experience isn't that great. And then the ad just becomes like another banner ad on the internet. So I do think like running good creative is important for every aspect, whether it's the advertiser, the publisher, everybody involved, and the end user, the consumer.
0: Awesome. Well, that sounds like the perfect place to, to leave that. Where can everyone go and find out more about Who Sponsors Stuff and Sales Pro and your newsletter and you and who knows what else?
1: Sure. Just uh, whosponsorstuff.com has uh, yeah, the free site and uh, link to our newsletters. Everything is on there. And yeah, if you're, if you're just getting into ads, definitely look at that newsletter ad calculator out. It'll drop in the show notes that yeah, we see a lot of clients looking at that and it's, it's, it's a pretty good guide.
0: Awesome. Ryan, Jesse, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Send and Grow podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three quick ways that you can show your support. Number one, leave us a five-star rating or review in the podcast app of your choice. Number two, email or DM me with some feedback with your questions or with suggestions for future episodes. And finally, number three... Share your favorite quote from the episode on social media and tag both me and our guest. All of the links for that are available in the show notes. And whatever option you choose, I am really grateful for your support. Thanks and see you next week.